Hey everybody, this is Senior Pastor Joshua B. Carson saying thank you for tuning into the CT Podcast. We hope that your time here, whether you're driving down the road or whether you're sitting at home with a journal and listening in, we hope that it's effective. Maybe it'll be inspirational, encouraging, maybe it'll be thought-provoking. Regardless of what session you're listening to, we truly pray that this is a benefit to you and to your family. God bless and enjoy the podcast. Amen. Now, I want to go ahead and dive right on in. Time is short, and I don't have my wife here to give me that <clears throat> time to be done, but I do have Brother, Brother Lopez that will be glad to help me out. And so I want to dive in here this, uh, this evening talking about the life of a witness. Now, we did have some practical application and a lot of conviction, actually, uh, kind of poured out here by our good minister, uh, Brother Trainer last week, and but I want to go for just a few moments and take a little sidestep and look at some of the principles, some of the characters, some of the patriarchs and matriarchs maybe a little bit in Scripture that have inspired me and I'm sure a lot of you over the years that have been a powerful witness, talking about lives of a witness, amen? And so for a moment, I want us to dive into talking about a couple of different people here. Let's take a look at Noah, for instance. He was a man living in a day where everyone around him was doing what was right in their own eyes. I've imagined this time frame as much as I can. I've spent a lot of time studying, praying, preparing. When I go to speak about this, I've, I've, I've taught many places about get in the boat. Get in the boat. Don't want to miss the ark of safety. Don't want to miss God's plan of salvation. And uh, thinking about that time and how dark it was for some of the things to take place the way they did. But in Genesis chapter 6, verse 5, it says this. And God saw that the wickedness of man was great in the earth, and that every imagination of the thoughts of his heart was only evil. Somebody say continually. Amen. Continually. And the next verse says, And it repented the Lord, repented the Lord, that he had made man on the earth, and it grieved him at his heart. It's not a good day when the Lord feels a need to repent. The creator of everything feeling a need to repent and being grieved in his heart. But I'm thankful that it didn't stop there. When we jump down to verse eight, it says, but Noah found grace in the eyes of the Lord. Why is that? It's because he was about his father's business. He was about being a witness in a land that was in the hearts of men where their imaginations and everything that was set to be set upon was continually evil. But, but Noah found grace in the eyes of the Lord. How many in this place knows that our God is looking for a few good men and women to stand in the face of some of these spiritual type of giants? in the day we're living in. Talking about giants, what about David? David's witness. Here's a man that was nominated to be the most unlikely candidate to do much, not much of anything. Yet he was more keenly aware of how great and, and how mighty our God was that in, in all reality, it caused him to act. Not just to be a hearer, but to be a doer of the word. Now, there's a lot of people that proclaim Christianity. They wear a cross on their, uh, under, on their shirt. They have crosses put on and tattooed on their arm and different parts of their body and whatnot. But that's not what makes you a Christian. A Christian is somebody that's going to identify with the death, the burial, the resurrection message. It's going to be somebody that's going to understand that God has called me out of darkness to be in his light, to shine forth and reflect his goodness, his glory to everybody around. When we do that, I tell you, we're going to be successful. I, can, I take a look going back to Noah. When you look at him and you saw how many people got on the ark, I'm sure he probably felt like a failure. But the fact is he was obedient to the word of God. And being an obedient person to the word of God made him one of the most powerful witnesses of his day. 
and we look back and we reflect on, on the good things that transpired because of it. Amen? But because of David and his willingness to stand in the face of opposition and fight, he was able to teach others how to slay their own giants. Is it any wonder that David is referred to as a man after God's own heart? Think about it. Even with all of his flaws, he was quick to repent. He was quick to turn back to the Lord, quick to fall to his face and say, I was wrong. You're God. I'm not. Even though he was the king, he humbled himself before the Lord. And we talk about his dynasty and his legacy for generations and will continue to do so. We've learned from their lives. Um, let, me, let me back up one sec here. How did that just happen? The devil is a liar. <laughs> Technology, Satan's into details. We've also heard about the three Hebrew children and Daniel. Pastor did a great job just the other day speaking on some of this. And, and in Sunday school, there's not a greater lesson to be heard. How Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, they stood in the face of everything that was going on and said, we're not going to bow. Well, we'll turn that bad, we'll turn that bad boy up seven times hotter. Even if the Lord doesn't deliver us, we're not going to bow. That kind of mindset, that's not a Sunday Christian. That's not a Wednesday Christian. That's somebody that has a lifestyle, a, life of, a lifetime of being a witness. And that's the kind of person I want to be. Does it mean it's going to be easy? Well, obviously, no. <laughs> you got fire. You're looking at fiery furnaces. For Daniel, you're looking at being thrown into a, a hungry den of lions. Uh, let me think about it. No. I'm going to still be faithful to the things of the Lord. I'm still going to pray. I'm going to do what I've always done because what I've been doing has been doing right and getting things right between me and the Lord. And guess what? I'm going to continue to do that no matter what policies you may pass. Amen? That was the kind of witness that these folks left. And we've learned from their lives a couple of things. They were able to face uh, the, the, the lion's den, fiery furnaces, they made up their mind that they weren't going to bow. They weren't going to placate to what was going on. And at the end, truly, they won. Truly, they won because they were able to change hearts of people all around for just the fact that they stood. And may it, may it, it might have seemed like they were standing alone, but they were standing on God's side. And when you're with him, you are the majority. You have nothing to fear. You, have, you, you don't have anything to be afraid of. Amen. But in, in saying that, I've also been thinking about what's happened since I've been here in this last two years. It's been two years plus, thinking about all the work that's been done in this place, all the remodel, all the different people stepping up into places of leadership and picking, picking up the baton and running in this race. I want to say for just a moment, as I take a time out, just to say this, thank you. Thank you for everyone and every one of you that continually are praying. I think about Zoom prayer. Monday prayer, Tuesday prayer, Thursday prayer, and people that are just praying on your own. Thank you for standing in the gap. Thank you for representing and being a witness in today's right now kind of time. For every time that you have spoken a word of truth instead of a compromised word of deception and falsehood, thank you. We're in some, we're in some hard times. Pastor said it the other day. He says, I'm not one to speak negatively, but we are living in some dark times. But you know what? The awesome part about all that is, is it just gives God all the more opportunity to shine through us because it just takes a little bit of light, a little bit of faith, and we can move mountains. Just a little bit of coming together in one mind and one accord, and all of a sudden the Spirit of the Lord can be poured out and great things can happen. I hear Brother Sleva, I've heard him multiple times talking about 
uh, if one person will reach one person in a year and that one person reaches somebody and you start going through the numerical way of how that all plays out, we could win the whole world. And I forget, how, how long was it, Brother Sleeman? What is it? 32 years? Man, we ought, to be, we ought to be trying to do that. We ought to be setting IBC students. You've got so much life ahead of you. Had such a fun time when we were there last night on that panel. But let me just tell you, for those of you that, that maybe weren't there, there is no time like today to be a witness for the Lord. God has given you the power to overcome. Yes, he has. He's given you the power to overcome. He's given you power to tread on serpents. He's given you power to preach the word like never before. You've got more opportunity with all the social media sites and different ways to be able to reach out to people. You can impact your whole community at a push of a button. Now, I know we got to get personal and we got to get out and do that, but there has never been a time like right now to be a witness and spread this awesome gospel to everyone around. Can I get an amen? Amen. amen. This is not a time to wax cold. This is not a day and hour for us to get weary and well-doing. I'll tell you, <laughs> I've been in places where it's sometimes a little embarrassing to want to bring somebody to church. I'm not here to put nobody down, but I can tell you, being back in this place in the last two years, what an opportunity and privilege it is to be able to say, I belong to Calvary Tabernacle. I've got one of the best pastors on the planet walking in shoe leather. Our music is off the charts. You want to have music that will send you to the moon and back? Come and be a part of our services. People are praying everywhere. Folks are worshiping. People getting the Holy Ghost on any given service, people being baptized, that's the power of a people being a witness. That's, that didn't just happen just because Brother Trano, that didn't just happen just because of Brother Lopez or just because of Brother Carson. It's all of us together being a witness for what God's wanting to do in 2023. Amen? But all of us coming together and working in unity the way that it's been, been happening Man, what a great opportunity it is to invite somebody to our church. Has anybody not been in this is home class? <laughs> it's like everybody on the planet has been in it. If you haven't, let me tell you, you need to get, a, you need to get in the class. It's awesome. We were talking last night. How do you witness to, to, to people that are unchurched, unlearned, that have never been around this stuff? I tell you what, drag their carcass here. Get them something. <laughs> drag them here by the earlobe. Get them down in here and get them signed in to, to, to one of these classes and let them experience the basics of what we're here doing in this church as we worship the true and living God. Amen? Amen. Let me look at my time because I do get to talking too much and I just lose my pace and space. <clears throat> oh, Lord, have mercy. Let's talk about another character that I really love and respect. Her name's Esther. She faced her fear of being rejected or even killed as she stood strong in the Lord. And that's when Haman, who would have, he would have loved to have had it his way if he could have just wiped out the Jewish people, was faced with a decision. Do I stand do I interact? Do I move? Do I become more than just a hearer of the word? Do I become a doer of the word? And she, I believe she did come at a point there that she became very keenly aware of the journey that God set before her for such a time as this. 
Every single person in every generation that has made any impact on their world has come to a place of understanding. It's not about my past and getting caught up about that because none of us can change it. Some of us have horrible pasts. I mean, if we started talking about some of them, we'd be up here crying and all need a, a, a cup of Prozac or something. I mean, you know, it gets, it gets horrible. I get it. But the cool part is, is God can help us to overcome all of this mess and we can take a life of busted up, disgusted dysfunction and watch what the Lord will do and you can lift your head high, not because of who you are, but because of whose you are. Amen. If you knew me, that's right. Give the Lord a hand clap right there. Hallelujah. <laughs> we bless your name. We bless your name. Because for some of us, the Lord had to roll up his sleeves to reach down and get some of us because we were down in a low spot. But the cool part is, is he didn't leave us. He set us upon a rock. He turned us around. And because of that, I can be a witness. When I got filled with his spirit and I started speaking in tongues, power, power came upon me. And you haven't been able to shut me up since. <laughs> Hallelujah. <laughs> Praise God. The Lord is always looking for somebody to stand in the gap and be that unwavering witness. If you haven't stepped up to the plate, I challenge you today. It's time. It's high time to get in here and be about your father's business. Amen. Amen. Last character. I'm just going to jump. I want to jump all the way into the New Testament, talking about somebody that I love and respect dearly. I can't wait to meet him and actually talk to him about a little bit about what happened here. But in chapter seven of Acts, we're talking about Stephen, very powerful portion of scripture. Nobody wants to hear about and talk about and look forward to being a martyr. I get it. But sometimes you'll find yourself in precarious situations that you couldn't have thought yourself in. And at that point, we need to rely on the Lord. We need to rely on his strength to give us the words to say, because I can tell you the way our country's going, our world's going, at some point we are going to have to open up our mouths and speak. At some point, we can't forever just play, play back here just in the shadows and just kind of fade in and fade out. So we, there, there's a point where the Lord will allow the pressure to get high enough for us to open up our mouths and speak the truth to a people that need to hear it. And that's exactly what happened here with Stephen. Uh, he was used in a very powerful way to witness to the relig religious elite. And we do. We have religious elite uh, fanatics all around us, whether it's a part of our movement, whether it's outside of our movement. You can't talk to them about anything. They're blockheads. They, they think they know it all. You're young, you're old, but, the, but you, you can't tell me nothing. I'm, already, I'm learned. I know everything. I know all about it. And they're ready to fight you tooth and nail. They're, re they're ready to banter and, and to debate and just to be ugly. He goes, through, he goes through this historical timeline in which the children of Israel and their forefathers, uh, that and their forefathers that they all knew very well. And then he proceeded in love. I want you to get this now. This was not out of an ugliness. Then he proceeded in love to point out the comparisons between them and their stiff-necked murderous and non-law-keeping fathers. <laughs> Who wants to sign up for that? I don't think any of us do. And I don't think after seeing the results of what happened that we're going to get many signing up either. <laughs> but I will tell you, it's because of what took place there that revival spread. God did not allow that to go to waste. He allowed the situation to take place, and he used that to spread the fire of this gospel like never before. All you got to do is start fearing for your life, and you start running. You start moving. 
But the cool part is, is you've seen too much to turn back now and you start talking about, I need to tell you about Jesus. And they started finding people and they started talking to folks and this thing just started spreading from one city to another that all of a sudden, man, you can't get rid of this message because it's Jesus everywhere. Jesus, Jesus, Jesus. How did that come? It came from people getting out of their comfort zone and getting into the real and getting into the now. If I could just tag on just a little bit of Brother Trano's conviction that he was bringing in this house, the power of the Holy Ghost on him last week is to say this, time is short. I could say we're, we're living in the 11th hour. I can say we're living in the end days. We're in that time. You know, all you people that are into prophecy and getting in all this stuff, no matter where you're at and how you stand, you know we're getting close to the end. This stuff's starting to wind up. The world is screaming. The world is groaning for his coming. And this is not a time for us to just sit back and be apathetic and lackadaisical. It is time for us to passionately rise. And, you're, and I know you, I could hear, I could even hear a couple of voices in here. Well, where you been, Fredley? You've been back here for two, two years plus. Where you been? Hypocrite. Where you been? Well, I do have to apologize because I haven't been all that I normally am because I've been a recovering pastor, <laughs> just to be frank and be real. And I didn't realize that I needed to be able to recover from some of the uphill battles that we faced for almost eight years. But the cool part is, is God used this church for any naysayer, God used this church to help rebuild and strengthen me. And when I could have been taking on responsibility and I could have been doing this and could have been doing that, the leadership here saw me and saw my family and loved us enough to say, get what you need, get restored, and then let's go. <laughs> Thank God people let me do that because now I'm feeling stronger. <laughs> I'm feeling a little bit more like myself and I'm ready to start attacking again. I'm ready to start fighting again. I'm ready to start moving in the spirit and trying to start standing in the, in, in the gap for souls again. We are all, all in different seasons, but I speak these things the way that I just said that to say, if you're in a place of just lackadaisicalness, you're just apathetic, indifferent to what's going on, please, as what was expressed last Wednesday night, please, Understand, for the love of God, understand, it's time for us to get in the battle. It's time for us to be the witness that God has called us to be. And we are all different. I will not be able to minister to the people that you minister to. Most likely, you're probably not going to be able to minister to some of the people I minister to. But we're all Jesus freaks in our own way. I don't like that term. I don't care. I'm a Jesus freak for Christ, and I'm going to be that way until the day I die. No apologies. Amen? <laughs> it's through the killing of Stephen and the persecution of these Jesus-named people that spread revival. Where's the time at? I'm sorry, I have to keep stopping. Oh, I gotta stop. Okay, I, what do all these people have in common? I've, I read a poem years ago, and I might even have said it in somebody's hearing here uh, of recent. Um, I read a poem called The Fellowship of the Unashamed. It, it has hit me, it has strengthened me. Matter of fact, it was back when Norm Mooney, I think it was Norm Mooney, who in his little dungeon back there at IBC, he had some kind of a, a, a lark or something that was trying to eat a frog and the frog had his hands around his throat. Like, I ain't going, and I'm definitely not going without a fight. And then I think that's where I saw this fellowship of the unashamed. And I wanna say this or read this in your hearing as I close and Brother Trano comes. And it says this, I am a part of the fellowship of the unashamed. The die has been cast. Every time I, every time I think about this, this whole wording, I get, I'm, I, get, I get emotional 
I get because the fight is real. The battle is real. We can smile. We can talk about how great being a Christian is, but sometimes the battle gets heated and the fire in that furnace gets hot. But you know what? I'm so grateful that God has led us every bit of the way that when we look back, we can understand that he, I am persuaded that he is able to keep us in the storm, keep us in the battle, keep us. And even when we lose the fight, he is patient enough to let you restore to where that fight can come back in you. I think about Elijah with that cake of the angel. He just had a huge victory and he's over there all depressed and sucking on his thumb. God's okay with that. Suck on your thumb, baby. Suck on your thumb, boy. You're good. Feed you some food. Get you some sleep. Get you some food. Get you some sleep. You're okay. Get some food. Get you some, now get up and fight. I'm thankful for the Lord and, and all that's represented in what I'm trying to say here. But as I go on, the die has been cast. I have stepped over the line. The decision has been made. I am a disciple of Jesus Christ. I won't look back, let up, slow down, or back away, or be still. My past, it's redeemed. My present makes sense. My future, it's secure. I am finished and done with low living, sight Sight walking, small planning, smooth knees, colorless dreams, chintzy giving, and dwarf goals. I no longer need preeminence, prosperity, position, promotions, plaudits, or popularity. I now live by presence, lean, learn, lean by faith, love by patience, lift by prayer, and labor by power. My pace, it's set. My gate is fast. My goal is heaven. My road, it's narrow. My way is rough. My companions, few. My guide, he's reliable. My mission, clear. I cannot be bought, compromised, detoured, lured away, turned back, deluded, or delayed. I will not flinch in the face of sacrifice, hesitate in the presence of ad adversity, negotiate at the table of my enemy, or pondle at the pool of popularity, or meander in the maze of me mediocrity. I am a disciple of Jesus Christ. I must go until heaven returns, give until I drop, preach until all know and work until he comes. And when he comes to get his own, he will have no problem, problem recognizing me because my callers will be clear. How many are grateful to be a witness of the unashamed? Amen. Amen. Let's give that to the Lord. Let's give that to the Lord. Awesome job, Brother Fidley. And uh, I'm going to dive right in. Uh, Luke 19, 1 through 10. While you're going there, Pastor, you know my affections for you, Brother Lopez, my friend. Appreciate you both. And uh, I'm honored to be able to team with you this month regarding this uh, all-important uh, topic, the life of a witness tonight, the life of a witness you there? All right. Jesus entered and passed through Jericho. Behold, there was a man named Zacchaeus, which was the chief among the publicans. And they just threw this in there. He was rich. And he sought to see Jesus, who he was, and could not for the press because he was vertically challenged. And he ran before and he climbed up into a sycamore tree to see him. For he was to pass that way. When Jesus came to the place, he looked up and he saw him and he said to him, Zacchaeus, make haste and come down. And this is what I want to pull out of the text for today. I must abide 
at your house. And he made haste and he came down, received him joyfully. When they saw it, they all murmured, saying that he was going to be guest with a man that was a sinner. That's a sad portion of scripture right there. Zacchaeus stood and said unto the Lord, Behold, half of my goods I give to the poor. If I take anything, anything from any man by false accusation, I restore him fourfold. And Jesus said unto him, This day salvation has come to this house for as much as he also is a son of Abraham. For the Son of Man is come to seek and save that which was lost. I want to speak to you again tonight on the life of a witness, part two. Now, it's from this narrative that we find a man named Zacchaeus, a chief tax collector, who found himself in a certain season of his life that led him into an appointed time of his life. And I believe that it is evident that his decisions were weighing on him as he carried a reputation which preceded him. And in my mind's eye, I can reflect and relate how desperation gets the master's attention. The scripture records he ran ahead just to see Jesus. When someone puts themselves into a position to experience change, the Lord will always provide, church, a pathway to an encounter with him. Jesus' mission was to model and to train his disciples as they followed him crossing daily paths with people, turning sinners into friends and friends into disciples as he intentionally said, zip down, Zacchaeus, because today I must abide at your house. Jesus would never expect us, church, to do anything that he himself was not willing to do himself. His passion was to seek and save while reproducing himself as he lived the daily life of a witness. He was consumed with passion, and that passion pricked Zacchaeus' heart to confess his faults as Jesus proclaimed, this day is salvation or deliverance from the power and effects of sin come to this house. Jesus used Zacchaeus' house as a pulpit. And since I've spoke to you uh, Wednesday, I have a similar testimony that I'd like to just share with you because, again, I see what Jesus modeled, and it is very practical and very doable, and he would never do anything or expect you or I to do anything that he himself did not model out himself. Uh, Thursday, I was going to evangelism, and on my way, I passed by CCS and Wanted to see if anybody was there uh, on, on my way to evangelism. And I went through there and made a right-hand turn, saw everybody playing soccer in the back and gave a little shout-out, a little beep, and made a right-hand turn. As soon as I made that right-hand turn, 
I saw a family out in the front lawn. I saw a young man sliding headfirst down a windshield. <laughs> I said, all right. I saw Ma sitting on a stoop. I saw a young man sitting on a bike. The family was there, and as soon as I saw them, the Lord said, go. I was passing by. I turned back around the block. I pulled up, parked the car, walked up, saw the young man. I said, hey, Junebug, come down off that windshield. You're going to get hurt. And uh, then I, I looked to mom and I said, hey, did you get one of these? It was our, it was our Calvary card. And uh, she said, no, what is it? And I said, it's an invitation to Calvary Tabernacle. I'm just real passionate about connecting with the community. And that's what I'm out here doing today. And as soon as I said Calvary Tabernacle, you know what she said? She said, I'm looking for a church. You see, you might think, well, man, I'm not going to go to anybody's house uninvited or just show up. The call was made before I got there. I was just the one that was answering the call. Amen. I just showed up. And as soon as she said, you know, I'm looking for a church, I said, I know. That's why I'm here. Her home, her front lawn became the pulpit. That's my point. He modeled it out. And we see the demonstration. And you and I, wherever we go, that's our mission field. Amen? Amen. Praise God. Now, he fleshed out and he modeled daily, church, for those things uh, that he was desiring his followers he wanted them to be like and to live like him. Jesus was on a mission to reproduce himself and qualify those willing to live the life of a witness. And in Acts chapter 1, 21 through 22, we find a couched qualification of a witness where the text reads that we're of these men which have companied with us all the time that the Lord Jesus went in and out among us, beginning from the baptism, everybody say baptism. The baptism of John unto the same day that he was taken up from us. Must one be ordained to be a witness with us of his resurrection. Everybody say resurrection. You catching that? To live the life, and to be an effective witness of Jesus. We must bear the witness of the power of baptism in Jesus' name, and we must also bear witness to the resurrection power of his spirit. And it was this bearing witness to the power of Jesus' daily impact in the community that resulted in them going from ordinary to extraordinary. How? By continuing to tell their story, reaching, connecting, and discipling. And in Acts chapter 2, 41 through 42, you're very familiar. It's the pattern to the mission model and method of the first century church. And the scripture says that they that gladly received the word were baptized and the same day were added unto them 3,000 souls. And they continued steadfastly. They weren't content with 3,000. That was the motivating factor in the launch to continue steadfastly in the apostles' doctrine, fellowship, breaking bread, and in prayer. Jesus made it clear that the direction of our great commission, church, is forward. Go, teach, baptize, and make disciples. But before he said go, he said, 
follow me. He was saying, do what I do. He was saying, say what I say. He was modeling out so that he can reproduce those that believed and those that were following him. In John 14 and 12, for instance, I really want you to catch this. Jesus said, truly, truly, I say unto you, he that believeth on me. That's everybody under this roof tonight, amen? He didn't say he that is in the pulpit. He said, he that believeth on me, the works that I do, shall he do also. But if we are going to get in the pulpit, John makes it plain as he challenged the exhorter. In 1 John 2 and 6, he that says he abides in him, whether one-on-one -on -one or to the masses, and here's how you'll know, ought himself also so to walk, even as he walked. I mean, can you imagine if Jesus never personally reached individually or collectively for the lost and then turned around and commissioned those that believed in him to go and to reach the world? How effective do you think that would have been? Wouldn't have been very effective, would it? Let's leave that for the travel agent who tries to take you where they themselves have never gone. Jesus never expected those who were listening to do what he wasn't willing to first do himself. And that's why he said, follow me. The commission is calling for connectors, not just in word, church, but in word and deed. He didn't just tell them to go. He didn't just tell them to go. He showed them how to go. And everything that he modeled, they modeled. And everything in the book of Acts is for us. If they did it, we can do it. Come on, somebody. If they got it, we want it. They seeded their atmosphere and filled the city of Jerusalem with their doctrine, which resulted in kingdom multiplication. I mean, how do you really think that they filled the city of Jerusalem with their doctrine? I'll tell you how they didn't do it. They didn't do it by waiting for people to come to them. And neither should we. They took the word of God and they met people wherever they were, wherever they were. If they were at work, that was their pulpit. If they were in the grocery store, that was their pulpit. If they were at the gas station, that was their pulpit. Look at Philip. Philip's, <laughs> he takes a ride with an Ethiopian Enoch, and that ride became his pulpit. So much so that the Ethiopian Enoch, he says, hey, man, pull that caddy over. He says, look, here's water. What does hinder me to be baptized? We can do that wherever we go, whatever we're doing. And if you need an example, I was at work. Work was slow Monday. Pastor called me and said, hey, you want to make a, a quick buck doing something for me? I said, sure. He said, go to South Bend. 
pick this individual up and take him to Martinsville. I said, cool, I'm on my way. Took off, uh, picked the man up. As soon as I picked him up, I started telling him my story. And as soon as I started telling him my story, he started telling me his story. And before you knew it, he said, I, I, I grew up in a pastor's home. And I don't know how I ended up in this position, but I, I know I need help. So I began to witness to him. That ride was my pulpit, just like that chariot. Next thing I know, we're stopping in Indianapolis. He's repenting of his sins and he's getting baptized in Jesus name. Come on, somebody. That was Monday. That was Monday. You see, this thing that we live, it's, it's not just, I don't, I don't believe that we have to wait till Sunday to do something. Amen. The mission model and method was a daily reach of evangelism. So here's Tuesday. He says, hey, bro, you slow? I said, I'm slow. He said, go to Union City, wherever that is. Somewhere out there, nowhere, Indiana, I don't know. And uh, so I'm, I'm picking the individual up, this lady, and uh, she gets her suitcase in the car, and I see a Bible. So I said, Psst. Start telling my story. She started telling her story. Next thing I know, I said, grab that sword in the back. She grabbed it. We started going through scripture. That's around the time I called uh, Pastor Lopez, and I said, we got water. We got water. Pulled over on our way to Martinsville. She repented of her sins and was baptized in Jesus' name. I'm telling you, people are hungry, Calvary. People are hungry for a witness. People are hungry, and you know more than this world can, can. I mean, all you got to do is tell somebody what Jesus did for you when you repented of your sins and got baptized in Jesus' name, and God filled you with the Holy Ghost. That's what a witness does. Put your hands together and magnify the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords. We serve an awesome God. We serve an awesome God. I want to tie into one last point because it's 8 o'clock what uh, Brother Fridley was talking about. Jesus talked about us being the light of the world and the salt of the earth. And the light of the world is basically a gradual approach. Um, it's kind of like a sunrise. It, 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 it comes up gradually. And when you're around the same people day in and day out, you're just being a living epistle known in read of men. That's what the light of the world really is. And that's some of the greatest sermons that we'll ever preach is the life that we live day in and day out. As that light is shining, it's beginning to fill a void in their life. And as that void begins to get filled because we're a peculiar people, that void begins to fill. They become to get curious. God's spirit begins to move and it opens the door to let there be light. And that light becomes a lamp unto their feet and a light unto their path. Now, salt and light, they work differently, but they have the same outcome. I worked in a commercial trade where I plowed snow in extreme conditions. And uh, snow and ice control, uh, you're dealing with salt and you're dealing with light because during the daytime, the light can work for you depending upon temperature. Um, and just like in the natural or in the spiritual, right? The hotter someone is, well, the more effective they become. And so 
the light is gradual, but salt changes everything it comes in contact with. If I need, if I need to come through there because I'm on the go and I have to have that lot opened up before the place opens and I salt that lot, by the time I leave, that whole lot is water. It doesn't matter if it's two in the morning. It doesn't, doesn't need light. doesn't need temperature. It just changes everything in, it, that it comes in contact with because you're on the go. So just know this. Learn to discern when to be salt and when to be light because you're going to come across people like I did this week that uh, I just had to be the salt of the earth because I didn't know if I was ever going to see him again. I didn't know if I was ever going to be in contact with him again. And so, you know, you got to take that shot while you got it. Amen. Because nobody's promised tomorrow. Amen. Looks like we're about, uh, are we, we about up on time or yeah, we're about up on time. So God bless you. I believe in you. I love you. God bless you.